，太平洋、印度洋、大西洋、北冰洋、欧洲、亚洲、非洲、美洲、大洋洲、东亚、南亚、西亚、东南亚。So this week we talked to Julian Godfrey, who's a TV and radio personality in China, but more importantly, he's reached native level in Chinese, even in his bio on Twitter. In this podcast, we talk about how he learned Chinese, his theories on native level and language learning, as well as personal stories shocking natives in China. And as always, guys, you know what needs to be shocked: the like button. So go destroy that right now, and of course, follow us both on Twitter. And hope you guys enjoy the episode. All right, so Julian, can you give us a quick background of who you are and where you're at today? I have been a TV host、um, in China in Chinese language, so a lot of people know me through that as a, let's say, media personality because it now involves everything, right? Most people are hosts anyway because of social media. Anyone is a is is a host, and、I、have to say that in our times,、um, a lot of self-made hosts who Just do their own videos. Are actually, better hosts than most of the professional hosts, in my view. But anyway,、um, so I've been a professional TV host and radio host for all those years, and、uh, now also do my own video channels, like everybody. Only started last year because I was、uh, quite late to this whole、uh, new phenomenon. Otherwise, I, I used to be a, a classical cellist. I used to be a professional classical cellist, and actually getting out of school in a Paris conservatory, the CNSM DP. Uh, for those who know, which is basically the best、uh, classical music school、uh, in, in France. Yeah, I, I, getting out of school, I started to work a little bit, and right away I had some bad injuries. I had an old injury that started to get worse, and it got complicated. So I couldn't play for a while. Started. That was in the 1990s. That was in 1998. I started learning learning Chinese. Yeah, my whole benefit, my whole、um, destiny, or. Story with、uh, with China started like that. Just、um, things、uh, sometimes it's just by by luck by or by by, by lack of luck. But it, it, it turned out, of course, to be a good thing, and it made who I am now. And、uh, I've been an entrepreneur too. I also had a, a French restaurant, a French bistro that we opened in Beijing, next to、uh, close to the embassies, the good neighborhood. I had a French bistro there for two years. We that 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 was one of the things I did too. I used to have a, a coffee shop too. So I'm trying to be eclectic. I have a lot of passions. So I don't think I'm good at being an entrepreneur for the sake of you know making money if, or or being an entrepreneur. But I like to do what I like. So I'm trying.、Yeah. Sometimes I have a passion and and I spend my. My whole day thinking about it, trying to find solutions. I do、uh, filter coffee,、uh, V60. I have my hand grinder. I do that also every day. So I'm a coffee aficionado too.、So、I think I think that's、uh, that's a good start. When I first like saw saw you on the internet, I was super blown away. There's like a video of you speaking Chinese. I think the title is maybe like French guy speaks perfect. Like native Chinese or something. <laughs> was it was it Chang Chang San Ruixing or or it, it might have been.、Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's but, one、um, of the. Yeah, I was like super blown away because you're actually speaking like fully native level Chinese, which is pretty rare. Say a truth, she looks better than Fu Rong's sister. Starting with that, like, can you talk about how what, what your approach to was with learning Chinese in the beginning? Yeah, so originally I I started for fun, and I I think a lot of people. Talk. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little later. But a lot of people talk talk about how being gifted、uh, is very important for languages, and I always say it's not that important. I wouldn't say it doesn't influence the result, but it does not really decide whether you'll be able to speak and write fluently or not,、uh, or read at least. Writing. I mean, I never wrote even proper French、uh, alphabet letters.、Um, so that's.、Uh, Some people just can't write properly, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> But no, I, I I would say that for me originally, because I started to、uh, to learn for fun, I was definitely gifted. I, I'll I'll acknowledge that. And、uh, being maybe a musician, but even among musicians, I have. 
quite good years, I think, so it was a game for me. I actually believe that the fact of being uh, a musician helps me more in another aspect, which is, I, I think, also valid for a lot of athletes, like high-level athletes, when you're a top, top-level athlete, because you, you are used to um, solving impossible solutions. You are used to having to achieve results that most humans cannot achieve. So you have been grinding, grinding for years in order to achieve that, because people around you do. People around you can do it and, and younger than you and you're like, what? Why? <laughs> and some you saw them grow up and you're like, hey, he was not he or she was not as talented as me as me originally. But somehow, why is he able to do that and not me? You know, so you have to solve those problems and, and, and you are around masters all the time. So this is a good side of being a musician, a professional high level musician that helps you learn anything, not only languages. So I, I think this is the number one thing is like you. We are used to practicing eight hours a day. It's nothing. I wouldn't say nothing. It's it's hard, but it's learning language is a game compared to practicing an instrument at, at, at the highest level. Because the, most people think the higher the level, the more fun you have, right? Normally, that's kind of the the reason we all get into it. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna become good at playing an instrument, so I can have fun and I can really enjoy myself. And the more you learn, the better you are. The more the more you realize, wow. I, I will never be satisfied with myself because the, the higher my level, the less I think of myself. Because this is the only way you can improve. That's a huge dilemma, dilemma here. But then when you take that mentality and that habit into anything else, I'm sorry, I, I get a, a, into a lot of theory. You asked me a simple question, but <laughs> um, uh, learning a language to me is um, on a human scale, is something all humans can do because we all do for at least one language, our mother language, and, and for a lot of people in most countries in the world, it's two languages. Because there are people who have at least one dialect, and sometimes two dialects because of both parents, or even on one parent's side, and, and, and a lot of children learn that. So they can learn two or three languages from the start without being specially gifted. It started for me when people started saying, wow, um, you you have uh, you, you have no accent when you speak, and, and I had a very very limited vocabulary. But when I was controlling the conversation and only talking about topics I I knew uh, I knew you I knew the words for, I could really make people believe that I, I could have been Chinese, or at least most people in, on the phone they would not imagine that I wasn't Chinese. So how far into um, studying did you did did you start to hear those compliments? Like how many years into? Oh, maybe a few. Uh, yeah, a few months into oh, like, wow. so, but originally it starts. But for Asian countries, most Asian countries are not immigrating countries, right? So if you're if you have a, right. a white skin or, or 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 black skin or whatever, if you're not from there, if they see from your skin that you're not from there, they they judge. Like in in France or in the U.S., you would say, "Oh, you're racist because you you judge you, you assume where I'm from from my skin color or or my race, right?" But in in Asian countries. They, those are non-immigrant countries like China, Japan, Korea. Like it's 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 going to be the same, right? So people say, oh, as for a foreigner, or in in you know Laowai or in Japan, they say I think they say Kaijin, or they they will give you compliments very easily, and it will very often uh, be a, a very awkward conversation where you try you're trying to ask something very precise and they don't answer because they're like, wow. How long have you been studying Chinese? Wow, you speak so well. How did you study? Do you have a Chinese girlfriend? Can you use chopsticks? And, and, and all those questions that follow. And you're like, yeah, I, I was just asking you, where can I find that store? And 
and and, and that, so that's that's kind of uh, part of the everyday conversations. We get a lot of compliments. It's always nice to get compliments when you're trying very hard to learn something. And so I think gift has a very good effect. It helps a lot at the beginning because when you get compliments, it gives you fuel. Uh, yeah. You want to learn more because you feel that it's worth it. Yeah. And I totally can understand a lot of people who tried for, you know, six months, one year, very hard. And they think it's very hard because I always say that on, if, if you do eight, 10 hours a day, seriously, for five years, there's no way you don't read and, mm. and, 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 uh, and, and talk fluently properly. There's no way. So for those like eight to 10 hours grinding, like what, like what, what kind of stuff would you do? Because um, would it be like flashcards or would it be reading books, media? Or like shadowing yeah i started with um you know those kind of self-taught methods uh with a cassette back in the day it was still those uh, cassette tapes and i think the first the first one i used was 40 lessons um 10 new characters per lesson then i i bought another one from mainland china uh in four volumes um that was from yeah from the 1980s. It was interesting. It had a it had a a, a nice political uh, side to it. It was fun because it was there were a few of those uh, sentences from from political slogans that only existed in the 1980s. You know, but it was fun. It was fun. It was uh, standard Mandarin and with, uh, with also with cassette tapes and uh, and the standard mm. Mandarin pronunciation from Beijing. So. After those books, I started really to uh, to read novels and and work with a, I only uh, for learning new characters. I only read books and worked with a dictionary. Uh, of course, that was after learning uh, with the two methods. Then there were a lot of characters that even most Chinese don't recognize because when you read, even you know, we read Balzac or French uh, Flaubert or whatever French literature, there are also a lot of words that I. I've seen before and that I don't, I'm not sure of their meaning or a lot of them I've not, I've never seen, but when you're a child, you read your mother language without checking every single word you don't know or you're not right. sure of, right? So some, because I, when you learn a foreign language, you're like, oh, but I don't know that word. How can I read through? You feel compelled to know what you're learning before you learn. And that's the biggest mistake most people make is that you should not, you should always learn before you understand. You should always accept that there are things that will pass through. This is the, the very exact reason why we learn quicker in the country, mm -hmm. right? Because the, the more hutu, as we say in Chinese, the more lost you are when you learn a, a language, the, the, the bigger yeah. progress you make. Because you're forced to be in contact with tons of vocabulary and, 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 and things you hear and, and see that you don't understand. And this is the only way you... You, you improve and most people who learn a foreign language will make the mistake of they accept that's the modern way of teaching languages always to comfort people's psychological whatever and i think it's the, the biggest mistake that we can do it, it, depending on what you need if you need to be comforted and, and think you, you're doing well and feel good about your your learning state of course do that but if if all you want is learn fast you should never seek for that psychological comfort. You should feel bad and horrible and miserable learning all the time. This is the only way you improve really fast. So uh, I always tell people, what do you want? And most people, they, they want both. And I say, well, it does not work like that. 
And the problem with learning languages is most believe it's because of gift. They do not accept that just like um, learning an instrument at a, at a very high level or learning a sport at a very high level, you need a coach. And the coach can, does not have to be with you all day long, but you need somebody to guide you. And and that guidance you can, with a language, it's easier to th seek guidance through everybody because you just have to be with a native speaker and you can always, you know, every single native speaker can be your teacher, which is not the case with high level sport or high level instrument. You only can be around a very limited number of people of that level, but you have to learn from them. Somehow, most people who learn a foreign language do not believe the the people who are better than them, who have done it, can tell them what they need in order to learn well. Because most people think it, it came through gift. So it worked for you, but it's because you're gifted. But now me, I have to find my way. And I see them making mistakes that I've done before because I've tried all methods. Mm. I wouldn't say all, but I've tried so many ways of learning. And there are some ways I've seen people use them for years. I tried myself and it won't work. It's like, you know, in Chinese with a bait answer, like all the kids in Asia, a lot, they, they learn English by memorizing tons of sim simple, single words without context, without a sentence. And, and it's the, the biggest waste of time you can imagine learning a language. But I, I can tell that to most of these people for years and they still stick to it. And 10 years later, I know some people like that, 10 years later, like, oh yeah, well, after all those years, I have to acknowledge that I, I was not as gifted as you said, no. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you never listened to me and you still don't listen to me. So you never yeah. achieved anything. And it's not because it's me, it could be anybody who, who did it. It should be the number one rule when you learn a language. Listen to the people who have made it. I, I guess like you mentioned, if they just go and memorize specific words each day, just as an example, you're not necessarily learning over time, right? It's more so you're kind of stagnating, almost getting like 1% in the wrong direction every day. So over time, you actually don't get the results that you're looking for versus what you what you were talking about before within context. One thing I did want to highlight before is that you mentioned having that state of kind of uncomfortable uh, uncomfortability and how that really helps you learn a language and how putting yourself in the foreign country itself will really help you learn because you really get more words within context, more just more context in general, right? And native speakers everywhere. So at what point during your journey did you end up going to China? It was actually at the beginning. Um... Uh, not the very beginning. I'd say the the second year. I learned Chinese, I think, for a year and a half, and I went to China. And I spent eight to to nine months there, and uh, then came back to France for a year and a half, and then I um, went back to China. So that yeah, I spent uh, from around the November twentieth in uh, two thousand in in nineteen ninety nine until August, around the 15th or 20th also in um, uh, in, 20, uh, in 2000, year 2000. And then in 2002, I was uh, back in China and I never left. I, I actually learned most of like the, <laughs> it's in France that I spent the most time learning Chinese. A lot of people said, oh yeah, but you were in China, it was easy. No, I, I, I'm just saying it's easier when you're in China, obviously, and it's easier when you're in a country, but I'm just highlighting the reason why. And the reason why you learn faster in the country is because you have no idea what 
what most of what you hear and see means and this is why and the, the more you understand uh, the bigger proportion of, of uh, you you understand of what you hear the the slower you learn and 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 so this is the only thing I want to highlight is that we always should learn before we understand and most people want to understand before they accept to memorize something or learn something so you should never ask why before learning it and and you know, it's like kanbei. Yeah, let's do a kanbei, but don't ask me why. How do you write the kanzu and how many different writings throughout history? Why did, you know, why does it have a simplified version? Why is this those two characters to get? No, a linguist will do that work, but you don't need to. You just need to know that. Oh, at that at that moment, everybody says kanbei. You don't even need to know what kan means and what bei means, but eventually you will, right? But learn to say it first, and most people don't accept that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, originally I, the, the the first five years of my learning, I, I think I spent the most time learning, uh, purely learning the language when I was in France. So it's it's just uh, creating an environment for me, and uh, to get back to what you originally asked, um, different ways of learning, including, for example, I had to accept that. Um, as I was saying, when you read a book, there are many words in a dictionary, so but there are many words in a, that you you would want to, uh, to 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 check the dictionary for, but you cannot do it for every word. Otherwise, you can't read. You don't have the time. <laughs> you will you will spend yeah. months to read one book if you do that. So you have to. A friend of mine actually told me that it was a Chinese girl who who had very very good French and also learned after eighteen, and she told me, oh, just. Just check the the words that you encountered in a short period of time at least three times, and sometimes it would be four. But I, I kept that rule for a long time. I think it's a very very good basis, and and, and still you you'll find that you check the dictionary a lot. And and I see so many people who who tell me, oh, I you know I, I my memory is horrible. I I checked that word fifty times in the dictionary and, and still can't remember what it is. I said yes, me too, but I. I kept going, mm-hmm. and and the more you encounter that word, the more you will. That's also the thing. The reason why we do that because it's because when you you have encountered that word in context at least three times in a short period of time, you start getting a feeling for what it means. I guess a, another benefit of like uh, another benefit of just being in the country, um, like besides like hearing these words in context and learning them is. The, like earlier you said the the kind of compliments that you would get nowadays especially especially on YouTube people film <laughs> themselves getting those compliments and then those typically will go viral like what are your thoughts on that and do, do you have any stories of like shocking um, natives I'm sure you do um, yeah I mean I, I, I you know I, I also had an interview with Xiaoma who does that a lot and and uh, a lot of and it's interesting it's it's always fun I know people who have a lot of fun and I actually myself enjoy some of those videos it's always fun to see um, and it's not that I'm impressed by any of that because I've done that myself. I watch these kind of videos for another reason because it's entertaining when it's done well. A lot of those videos they have, if they go viral, then they have you know millions of, of at least once I, I guess once you get to you know several hundred thousands of followers on YouTube, then you can have your team, you can have editors, you can have people who prepare, you can have 
good editing, you can actually spend money on the post-production and everything. And the more views you have, the yeah. more you can actually hire more people and then and then do an even better job at post-production and the videos become more and more enjoyable. I'm On right. the principle, it's the way it works, right? So for me, it's first of all what I see because I'm a media person and we also do post-production even I, I, I don't do the editing myself, but I totally understand how it works and I also have done it in the past. So. So I'm gonna I'm gonna notice how it's made first of all because that's my job. It's been my job for 20 years. So I, I enjoy those types of videos for different reasons. But I always like a very genuine inter interaction. And in spite of all the editing, there's always some genuine interaction that you will notice when you have these type of videos. I mean, I'm I'm okay with, with, with I don't think I do have or should have any opinion on these type of videos. It's a social media uh, era, mm -hmm. and as soon as I also enjoy a type of video that maybe if, if you're really seeking to, you know, if you're actually just thinking of spending your time efficiently and learn a language, you shouldn't write, you shouldn't watch these kind of videos. It won't help you at all. It, it, it can give you some inspiration. Right. If you're seeking entertainment, it's great. If, you're, if, you're, if your only goal is to learn, it's, it's basically not what you should spend yeah. your hours do, uh, doing. What about your personal stories of personally shocking. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> interested to see like when the cameras are off, what the Julian shocking natives looks like. Thinking of what comes to <laughs> the top of my head, uh, restaurant owner uh, here in France, the Chinese owner, um, he had this uh, ginseng, um, uh, you know, you know how Chinese uh, like to make alcohol at different uh, seasons with different, well, even at the same season, they have all kinds of uh, I don't know how you call it. In, how do you call it in English gochi? It looks yeah. like uh, raisins, you know, like uh, dry raisins, but it's uh, it's red, and it's used in yeah. Chinese medicine. It's used in Chinese um, Chinese, you know, oh, kind I know of, what you're talking if you do about. chicken broth or yeah. red, they use that a lot, and also in yeah, alcohol yeah. sometimes they just they use some baijiu as a base, and they put a lot of things. Some pull even a snake or <laughs> or scorpions or <laughs> I've seen all versions. <laughs> And, so, and yeah. sometimes with fruits, sometimes with the Chinese medicine. So anyway, this uh, this owner had one alcohol that is, he made himself with, with ginseng, ginseng in there. And there were a, a few different things. And I actually recognize, in spite of all the ingredients and medicine that was in there, I said, oh, your base, I think it's Lu Zhou Lao Jiao. It, it resembles Lu Zhou Lao Jiao because it has a special flavor to it. And he was amazed. Like, How did you know? <laughs> Say, well, I... I used to go everywhere in China and I've, I've, I really was drinking every type of Baijiu and my master knew Baijiu very well and some people I know also know Baijiu very well so I've been to countless Baijiu um, dinners and also um, tasting different types of Baijiu's and everything. I, I don't pretend to recognize every single one but often I will recognize that and I can recognize Chinese people from many many provinces i i hear i i hear them speak and one or two sentences i can tell you what province they're from this is this is the type of things i do well and it and it happens every week <laughs> i can tell you that if i meet some <laughs> new chinese people every week i i will play that game with people and, and i'm not always right but then i will go okay if i if i'm wrong i say okay give me a second chance or third chance but i will i will i will tell you a region like region. a region yeah 
Yeah, I'm glad we got to get some insights in your off the cameras shocking people on the weekly. Not not even like a <laughs> not a once in a while thing. Every time you meet someone, a Chinese person, oh, they are getting shocked. Doesn't matter if it's culinary knowledge, alcohol, or just where they're from. You will have them covered. Yeah, yeah well, that's the, you see, that's but, I, I I like to shock them with a deeper understanding of uh, uh, of it the the stories of shocking them by oh perfect Chinese having no accent and, and speaking so fluent and knowing more recognizing yeah. characters that Chinese people can't read I mean that stuff I've I, I was doing that 15 years ago already but but right. I wasn't able to do what what I was just telling you <laughs> about the you know recognizing yeah. so, yeah. so them, many tell accents them their birth and, town like this, <laughs> this, but, uh, <laughs> you were born here, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, for example, in 2005, I, I was able to recognize some regions because I was already going to so many places. Starting 2004, when I really moved to Beijing, I was doing TV shows in all provinces everywhere. So I already could recognize some accents. Some, for example, like the Shandong, especially right. the Jinan accent, or. Uh, the Shanxi accent, I was going to Shanxi a lot. So some of those uh, I could recognize and I can tell you exactly. I can also imitate some of the different accents from different provinces speaking the, the speaking Mandarin and I can tell you what sounds they have a problem with or, or the differences. The other day, it was the first time I was um, I was talking about the different accents and there are a lot of people from Wenzhou in, in, in Europe, for example, in the, from the Zhejiang province of Wenzhou. And, uh, so I know many of them, and I used to live in Shanghai, so I know the Shanghai accent. I can do the Shanghai accent in Mandarin anytime. It's very easy for me. And so I, we 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 started talking about the Wenzhou accent, and Shanghai accent, and, and it's they are very close. I mean, in, on the scale of China, those two places are close, but they have a recognizable accent. Like the most Wenzhou people, they speak, and I say, "Oh, you're from Wenzhou." I can I can tell, and within two sentences, I, I, most of the time, I can tell. And I started. Because I've never really imitated that, but I started to try and to spot the difference. I, I wanted to analyze, to 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 tell the exact difference in their accent, and and I, I was able to uh, to actually tell exactly the the main difference between the accent. Because some some parts of their accent speaking Mandarin is are are very similar. But so it's it's the kind of games that I play, and I, I can tell you exactly how. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know it's interesting. There's like kind of levels to shocking here. Like this current level, like the base level you see on YouTube, that was you like easy like 10, 15 years ago. You didn't have to think about that. Then then on top of that, then you can go even further. You can go even further than that. And just with the, like you mentioned, just perfect Chinese, no accent. And then you go beyond that to the deeper conversation. Should even just close your eyes and just being able to stalk them <laughs> off of just hearing like two sentences you're like you'll say oh yeah i know you're from here they're like i know your address you, <laughs> i know your social security number i heard it in i heard it in your chinese dialect <laughs> in shanghai they have a they, they use a, a big range of their voice a lot of them so for example you they will use the the false uh, voice a lot sometimes when they speak in in mandarin so like uh, <laughs> you know, you know, they, they speak a little like that with, with very short sounds, but they they will they will use <laughs> and they will have the, those they will use that voice, you know, a lot. But but some for example Wenzhou they are more flat, but it's it's also short sounds and then they, they will and they, they and some some sounds also don't don't lie, they have 
In Chinese, we talk about 前鼻音, 后鼻音, for example, when you say 分, 分, and then you have 风, so if you write that in pinyin, it's F-E-N, that's 分, and F-E-N-G is 风. So, the reason why, one of the reasons why the Beijing accent is always the most accurate accent is because the, the and a lot of people from the south and also from uh, from Taiwan are, do not agree with that. The Mandarin, the way it's uh, the Putonghua was uh, the 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 way it is supposed to be uh, told. At least in, in mainland China, it's it was set in 1955, and the definition of it is easily you can find it. The Putonghua Yi. If you look for that on any website, you will find it uh, how it was uh, defined back then, and it was based on the Beijing language and the northern dialects so the the pronunciation was based on the Beijing pronunciation and the language itself was based was based on the on the northern dialects the pronunciation in Beijing is the most accurate for example in in that particular area nearly all the Qianbiyin nearly all the sounds that should be at the front are at the back so they nearly have no difference and most of the time they have no difference between fen and feng qin and qing it's all Qing Feng. How to go and pinpoint people's locations with the, just yeah. hearing them. You love to hear it. No, it's pretty amazing. And thank you for your insight. That's pretty cool to know. Now um, we can go and train in the ways of finding people's social security and addresses. Often hearing their voice <laughs> and addresses. Now is the time. The most important question of them all. And I know this is something that you've been preparing all the time since you were a professional musician at the highest level into then going and learning Chinese, going to China, and now finally coming all the way back here full circle. I know this is a message that you've been preparing for the Korekara squad. So I'm going to go and put you on the spot in native okay. Chinese to go and hear this Korekara message. Let's hear it, Julian. That's why you can say it in Chinese. You can say it in Chinese. Actually, for me, the most important thing is that I just used to use English as a principle, which is first learn and learn. Sad boy and sad boy. <laughs>